Coming to you live. Live. And podcasting around the globe. You're listening to the Deal Farm Podcast. Guaranteed to tickle your real estate loving ear holes. And now, here's your host, world-renowned TV heartthrob and investor extraordinaire, Ken Corsini. Hey, this is Ken Corsini with the Best Deal Ever Show, and today I am joined by my good friend, Nathan Brooks. Nathan, how you doing, man? Ken, I am so good, my brother. Uh, Thank you so much for having me on. So good to see you. I mean, it's funny. I actually haven't been in your presence for a couple years. Amazingly, I'm not sure how. Now, you know, I take that back. We saw each other last December. You are right. Although we missed each other by like 12 hours. I know, this, last week. Last week. I know. So what's what's such the deal? A, such a bummer. Well, I'm going to twist your arm to come to the Bigger Pockets conference in two weeks. So we can keep <laughs> it there. I'll keep bugging you until you agree to come. You know, I, I would love to come. I am not sure that's going to work out, but I know there are a bunch of amazing people there. And what, what really should happen is we should solve like during hunting season or something or we there you go. somewhere cool together doing something awesome or obnoxious or whatever and Absolutely. make a video and make a podcast out of that. I think that's a great idea. That sounds way more fun than real estate too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know, four wheelers, whatever it might be. Guns and four wheelers. What could go yes, wrong? Yes. Guns. Yeah. Let's throw some alcohol in there too. Why yeah. Not? Well, great bourbon. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. All right, man. I'm going to hold you to that. Let's do it. Hey, Let's now, so, so you've been to Georgia. You've been in my neck of the woods. You're in uh, Kansas City. What's there to do in Kansas City? Tell me about your market. You know, Casey's awesome. So we have about 2.2, 2.3 million in our MSA. And wow. I think a lot of times people don't understand the size of, <clears throat> excuse me, the market, you know? So um, it's, it's cool too, from the standpoint of like, we have a lot of white collar things for like, as far as you look at, you know, big businesses, but we also have like the railroads here and we have um, Cerner's headquartered here. We have Sprint headquartered here. Um, amazing food city, amazing sports city. Um, so, you know, when people look at like, whether it's the workforce and, or whether it's the um, just stuff to do, and um, we have a big event center that came in a few years ago. Wow. So top level, you know, concerts and performers and tons of different cool areas in the city to, to hang out. So it's pretty cool, man. I keep hearing how cool Kansas City is. You know, it probably doesn't, uh, maybe gets a bad rap, but it being in the middle of the country. But it, you've got a lot of good stuff going on, including sports, like you said. Yeah. yeah. And, well, Pat Mahomes, man. I, I mean, say, quarterback that's amazing to watch. Yeah, he's, he's like a video game in, in motion, right? So, so, and I think the thing about Kansas city is it's, it's right in the middle, like you said. So, you know, a lot of times it gets kind of the flyover city, but when people come, they're like, wow, this is a totally different feel because it's, it's kind of that mid-level city uh, size wise, but you have the experience of a lot of big city things that you can have, but yeah, our smaller population. Totally. Well, and uh, you know, for the business that we're in real estate for you, it's been a market that you've been able to crush it in because it's, prices aren't crazy, right? I mean, it really lends itself to your model, which is turnkey. Absolutely. Yeah. We, we, we've, you know, kind of been all over the place early on in our, in our business, but finally we, we really did settle into turnkey. So, you know, buying, renovating, selling houses for investors. And uh, so it's been a real blessing. And, and in Kansas city, we're able to find not only the deals that we uh, want to buy, but they, they do look interesting. They do make sense for the investors as well as for us. Uh, so it's, it's just been really a blessing to, 
you know, I'm from Kansas city. So it's not like I, I picked this market. It, it kind of picked me and my parents, right. right? Um, born and raised in Kansas city. So it's been a very natural, wonderful place to grow up, wonderful, natural place to have a family and, and now building a, a wonderful business with amazing team. And, and we're on track to do you know, about 150 houses, you know, buying, renovating and selling 150 houses this year. So it's pretty wild. That's a serious business, man. 150 houses in a year. What do you know what you've done total since you've been in business? You've been in business, what, five, 10 years? You know, for, for our company bridge, uh, we were probably somewhere in the 350, 400 mm -hmm. over the last, last four years. Mm -hmm. Uh, so it's, it's hard to say, uh, exactly. I don't remember the, the exact number, but I think it's in that range. And then, you know, I've been doing real estate for, you know, a little over 10. So my guess is, you know, it's well, well beyond five or 600 deals at this sure. point. Yeah. Well, so tell us about your team and your model a little bit. How, how big is your team and how are you guys finding deals right now? Absolutely. So our team, uh, we have 13 people, including my business partner and I. And so we have a handful of folks on the construction side. We have a couple acquisitions folks. We have transaction and uh, construction coordination, uh, director of marketing. And so we, and then one person on the sell side of our, of our turnkey business. Mm -hmm. So, uh, you know, we're, we are a hundred percent focused on buying uh, great properties that we can renovate uh, do a full renovation, you know, if it doesn't have a 10 year useful life or more, we fix them or replace them. And that's kind of the, the MO, if you will. Mm -hmm. And uh, so as far as finding deals, you know, I, we, you and I both have a lot of buddies who have these monster wholesale businesses or that, you know, machines that feed their business. And we've really taken a different approach and we really think about it in, in people and relationships and how are we building those mm -hmm. and building that trust in our community. We also started a meetup with the, which I think has kind of helped in our in our city as far as you know just attracting people to understanding who we are as a company and what we do. But um, all that to say, we we buy them through through two avenues. We buy them uh, through other wholesalers, mm -hmm. and we buy them from you know realtors uh, in the market. You know, so stuff off um, off the MLS still. So it's not a ton of our business, but we can still absolutely buy houses there. Yeah. And see, again, that's where your market's different than a lot of other markets. The fact that there's still opportunity to get deals off MLS. Yeah, that's pretty awesome. I mean, there are a handful of markets where it still makes sense. The price points are there. The, the rents are strong enough where you can make that work. Yeah, absolutely. And I think, you know, one of the things I've worked with our team and especially in the acquisition a lot, which is, you know, faster to yes, faster to know. So let's, let's be super clear on what we can buy. And then we've built that infrastructure and the systems around that. And so well, once we look at a deal, you know, how fast can we look through that thing and say, okay, well, do, is that an area we, we buy? Is that, you know, the archetype of the turnkey house that we buy? Yeah. Do the rents make sense? The ARV, you know, value of that property, does it make sense? And then from there, you know, it's very easy to say, okay, well, if it looks like it's a $5,000 margin or profit in this deal and it's, you know, we, we've built in our usual construction because we've tracked that over years now. We know what our average cost is. Mm -hmm. um, so we can make some, some very, uh, you know, well-adjusted uh, assumptions on what that might look like. Yeah. And are you selling to mostly out-of-state investors then? Yeah. So uh, our, our 
you know, clients are almost all either referral based or, or, you know, warm leads that come to us. So that's the other blessing we have is um, we've, we've built that business around, you know, taking care of people and, and helping them. You know, our, our, our mission is building a bridge to wealth and freedom through real estate. And we do that for ourselves. We do it for our team. We do it for our clients. And so, you know, they come to us and I think a lot of times they'll pick us because they understand the kind of transparency of the process. They understand how we renovate those houses. And um, so they're, you know, all over the U S and we, mm-hmm. we work with a lot of military folks and we'll shout out to the ADPI guys, active duty, passive income. They, they're helping, you know, active duty service members investing in real estate instead of, you know, going and buying a Mustang or something. Mm-hmm. Wow. And, uh, so we work with a lot of military active military folks, veterans as well. Uh, so it's been super cool seeing that grow, seeing those opportunities to help other people really change their life through real estate. No, absolutely. Very cool. Now, are you, do you guys also handle the property management or do you guys have a third party property manager that you work with? Well, Ken, when, uh, when people bring up property management, I kind of cry inside a little bit. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> That must mean you're a property manager. Cause I would cry about being a property manager. <laughs> Actually, um, I only cry uh, thinking about the past when we did. Um, so we, we do not own the property management. We have yeah. some amazing property management partners. It is a tough business, but it's vitally, vitally important in the real estate game. And anybody owning any, any you know, real estate that's, that's quote unquote cash flow you know, with, with rental, uh, a rental, uh, you better have great management. And if it's you or somebody else, so we sold ours a couple of years ago. We had built it up to a couple hundred units or so, a um, little under that, and uh, just said, you know, hey, we're, we're not great at this. Yeah. We want to serve our clients the best. So uh, we do not manage anymore. <laughs> Good for you. It's one of those <laughs> yeah. things. Either you are 100% full-in property manager or you're not. It's hard to do both. We, we learned the same thing. It's much better to partner with somebody who's got their systems down dialed in and they're already really good at what they're doing. Just partner with them. Exactly. Well, and I think we've learned that the hard way on a number of things, just like the wholesaling kind of side. We've, we've tried that a couple of times. Our hearts really weren't in it a hundred percent. We didn't love doing it. Mm-hmm. And, and to the opposite side of that, like in construction now, our, our team has gotten really good and, and we're seeing our numbers uh, continually improve. We're seeing our ability to do more projects improve. And so, you know, it's, it's been interesting watching that where, we as a team obsessed about it. We were fired up about it. And so therefore, you know, you see those things uh, take shape and, and really transform. Sure. So you guys have uh, been around a number of years. Sounds like you've done upwards of 500 deals there in KC. Is there one deal in particular that stands out as like your best deal ever? Yeah, there's definitely a deal. Um, I think you could write a, a novel on it sometimes. Uh, and it was kind of one of those joyous to uh, tears to excitement to, oh my gosh, is this possible? to, uh, wow, this thing actually did pretty well to, you know, selling it, making a profit. So I, nice. It's a pretty good one. All right, let's talk about it. So how'd you find this thing? You know, so we, we'd actually just met a commercial broker and, uh, we were kind of pondering about buying some small multifamily stuff. And, uh, this, this broker just happened to say, Hey, I know this guy, he, he just needs to sell this house. Uh, it's in a really cool part of town called Hyde Park. So there's these cool, you know, turn of the century homes. And uh, so we show up uh, to this house in this super cool neighborhood. And uh, we're like, man, this is so awesome. So it looks, looks amazing from the outside. 
So uh, kind of his maintenance guy or whatever shows up, opens this door, you know, it's like the 200 pound giant wood door and we walk in and it is like a dungeon uh, on the inside. So really? it's, it's just a disaster. Oh, wow. Yeah. So, you know, the plaster walls, the hardwood floors that are totally, you know, messed up the kitchen, you know, it, it, it looked like it's a crime scene. Uh, the bathrooms, you know, you don't even want to go in there. You don't want to talk about the bathroom. <laughs> you don't want to talk about that. <laughs> you kind of turn and run. You hope maybe there wasn't a haunted house in its, in its former lifetime. Wow. Yeah. So this was, uh, so the outside looked decent. It's a good area, but when on the inside, it's just complete opposite. Yeah. And I think they had intentions of starting to, to get the renovations going and everything, but they had just kind of had these starts and stops and their focus must've just been elsewhere Yeah, and then, you know, super cool house bones were good, but just, I mean, it needed everything. And a lot like those old houses, you know, it has 50 windows or whatever it is and has this huge stone, you know, stack stone um, basement and uh, HVAC on three levels. And, and wow. uh, soon we find out, you know, plumbing on three levels, uh, which we didn't know. Wow. So, yeah. Wait, so, uh, so was this house listed on MLS? It was not on MLS. So we bought it off market. Uh, we got a smoking deal on it. So we paid, I think $87,000 for it when we bought Holy it. Holy cow. Wow. And then what year was this? Just out of curiosity. This uh, was in 2015, I believe. Okay. Gotcha. Yeah, I mean, for a, I don't care if you're in KC or not, eighty-seven thousand to have a good house in, a, well, you know, in a good in area. Awesome like yeah, come on, yeah. that's yeah. crazy. So you guys were l licking your chops, licking our chops. Like this thing is amazing. So we bought it as a triplex. So it was in a neighborhood where there were there were multiple homes that were in single families, and there are also multiple homes that they had done these kind of three stacked, you know, triplex units. Okay, like so one on the bottom, on, one in the middle, and one in the top. That's how they're one hundred percent exactly. Interesting. Yeah. So in the, they had that internal hallway as you kind of walk in and go up the hallway. So first floor, you, you'd have an entrance for that first floor and then you walk up the hallway, second, second story, you walk into your apartment and then walk up the hallway, you know, make it to the third story. Okay. Interesting. So that's how we bought it. So we have this, you know, scope of work. Uh, we, we do a much better job of this now, but when we, when we were doing this, you know, we, we, we built our scope of work and um, had it clear. So uh, we began, you know, doing the demo, running the plumbing and everything for three stories, three kitchens, you know, you have to have living space for every single one of those. Were you planning on keeping it a triplex or were you going to convert it back to single family? We were planning to keep it as a triplex. Okay. Gotcha. Yeah. Okay. So we worked through uh, this construction. So, you know, plaster is a nightmare to deal with. We're fixing it, um, taking care of it, put, you know, whatever we needed to do in, in whatever areas. So uh, we get pretty far along and uh, we have a neighbor call and uh, complain to the city about our property. Of course. We, we weren't doing anything wrong. There wasn't anything that we hadn't, you know, not pulled permits for anything like that. But they just, they called and complained. So we kind of put this off, put this off, put this off, and then ultimately meet this inspector, uh, city inspector at the house. And so they're like, yeah, everything looks good. Oh, by the way, we actually do need a, a permit for this, this one little thing, but it was, you know, no big deal. Uh, and oh, by the way, Nathan, uh, your triplex that you just bought is not a triplex. Uh, it is not a duplex. It is actually a single family home and it, it never had a history uh, of being a duplex oh, no. or triplex. And uh, unfortunately, you can either 
one, get completely shut down. And uh, if you try to make this a triplex, we'll just you know shut you down completely. Uh, you can go to the city and beg them to have a special use permit as a duplex, which of course, you know, I know cash flow wise, if you think about yeah. knocking off a thousand dollars out right. of a deal, yeah. that's a lot. Uh, or you can transition this house back to a single family home. And mind you, we had just put in three kitchens. Yeah, you had finished putting the kitchens. Oh, no. <laughs> just the yeah, and in in walls and all the things that you you know would need to put in to have them to be three units. Uh, now we have to tear all of those things back out to bring it back to being a single family, which is what oh. we ultimately decided. Yes. Ouch. Yeah. Ouch. So, uh, change of scope of work, add a bunch more money to the project, which stinks. Yeah. Uh, not to mention just the timeline of holding it. And everybody knows, hey, money's expensive. So, yeah. we're sitting on this project and, uh, you know, wishing that we had, you know, had a different outcome or not such a nosy neighbor, which, by the way, you know, houses to the one side, triplex, house down the street, triplex. Yeah. You Trust know, I, even, I get it. It's yeah. crazy, right? Well, the thing is, I mean, at the same time, maybe you finish it and then they come in and shut you down. Maybe it was a blessing too that True. You, know, you weren't so far down the road. A hundred percent. Well, we were pretty far. We we were literally finishing them. So we had the plumbing in, we had the cabinets in, we had so was, we had to literally take take everything back apart. And um so and you can imagine you have you know walls that you have to put in when you're when you're making them into apartment units versus being a single family as well. Sure. It just doesn't make sense when you have just a wall to walk into your bedroom. Yeah. Yeah, right. <laughs> so uh so we put it back to single family house and uh ultimately that was we decided that was the best decision and then we had planned to rent it as a single family rental. Yep. Still no, awesome. this is a really good neighborhood. Was it not your original inclination to just sell it and try to flip it? It was, but you know, we, when we got into business, our focus was absolutely on holding stuff. Okay. So we really didn't want to sell anything, and and ultimately, we built a uh, an amazing flipping you know machine, mm -hmm. and, it, and we we are good at that. We do a very good job of buying, renovating, and selling them. Yeah. But um, we we are back actively holding stuff as well. So it's kind of full circle. Gotcha. Um, not that we're changing turnkey, but we're just adding additional rentals to hold as well. Sure. So. Uh, slap the thing on, on, on the market, put it up for rent. And within, you know, I, I want to say it was a few days, a week, something like that. We had somebody come to us and say, Hey, Nathan, I want to rent this for as much or more than what you have it listed for. And I want to rent it from you for three years. I want to sign a three year lease today. Uh, the only caveat is I want to be able to sublet it as an Airbnb property. I'm like, wait a minute. <laughs> it sounds like one of those systems I keep hearing all these gurus, you know, pitch and teach on right now. Yeah. Well, yeah, exactly. Uh, and, and I think that there are a few, few people who are, are doing uh, okay at that. But um, so that's what they said. And so, you know, of course, my partner and I look at each other and we're like, well, hey, if he can do it, you know, we can do it. Sure. So we pivot again. So we went from a triplex to a single family rental to... Um, now saying, well, Hey, well, why don't we just Airbnb this sucker ourselves? So, uh, we put it together. We kind of haphazardly, you know, furnished this thing. And, uh, by the way, if you're thinking about doing Airbnb, it is awesome. Uh, we, we owned uh, up to four of those units at one point, but, uh, you definitely want to think about it in terms of the guest and all the stuff you have to put in it to host that guest. Yep. 
and not just uh, you know the cost of doing the renovation. So anyway, we do that. We get the place furnished. It's super cool. Uh, we get professional pictures taken of it and we put it on the market. And of course, we have no idea what we're doing. We put, <laughs> uh, I think, you know, $300, $350 a night because we could fit like, I don't know, somewhere around 12 to 15 people in this place. It's a huge house. Right. And so we begin uh, renting it and, it and it really quickly starts to become very popular spot because again it's in a great location awesome neighborhood walkable mm -hmm. you know bars and restaurants are close by and uh so it, it begins just slaying it wow at 350 a night at 350 a night Ridiculous. dude that's expensive for airbnb man that's amazing i mean that must be it speaks to the area if you're getting 350 a night 100 percent. yeah it speaks to the area and it speaks to um just in number of people right so an airbnb a lot of times it's like hey, can we can we fit three families or or whatever it might be yeah and uh so there was just a lot of space for people to actually use so we began uh doing that managing that and we we then bought uh you know the second one the third one and the fourth one and uh ultimately decided to sell those off but we kept this one property uh, because it was just doing so well and it and cash flowed literally like two, two, $3,000 a month. Wow. Yeah. Just a, an absolute monster deal. So we look back at it, uh, I don't know, six, six months ago or so. Uh, and we started looking at it and we're like, Hey, we, now we only own one Airbnb property. So what is it, you know, does it really make sense to keep this one property when we're really focused on doing this other thing, you know, so buying at scale, both single family and multifamily stuff. And so ultimately we decided to, to sell it. And so uh, we, we thought about putting it on MLS or, you know, what, what is it, what does it look like to actually sell this short-term property or rental property? And so I actually sent a text message to a good buddy of mine and uh, just said, Hey, uh, I know you're thinking about real estate you should just buy this. And uh, so he ended up buying it. So in a couple of days, just sold it off market for what we were asking for. He got a great deal. Uh, we got a great deal. And we ended up making, I think, uh, 50, 60 grand uh, on it as well. So even after all of that, we had made a great profit on the deal, even though we had had so many issues, we had, you know, renovated it basically twice, yeah. uh, had to put a new HVAC system in at one point, had to totally tear out the plumbing from the first floor to the third floor, well, from the basement to the third floor. Um, so we had all these issues, all this stuff we had no idea about, um, but ultimately still not only cash flowed well, but then had this win-win exit on it when we sold it, made, made good money on it and uh, sold it to somebody who's now crushing it with this and increased the, you know, the, the nights that are being booked and increased wow. the NOI. Yeah. What did awesome. you end up selling it for? You bought it for 87. Uh, you know, I'm trying to remember, I think it was about 250, 260 okay. that we sold it for. Yeah. Um, but we had put just a ton of money in over the sure. course of the period. Uh, because I think we started with like a $70,000 budget renovating it in the first place. Yeah. And then, you know, we renovated it basically another time again. Yeah. Um, so it, it was definitely an, an interesting experience and one of uh, patience and uh, intestinal fortitude <laughs> to uh, not be so frustrated and upset that, um, you know, it, it doesn't equal what you thought it would equal. Sure. Yeah. Well, you know, it's, it's funny because we've used Airbnb a handful of times uh, as like a plan B, like if a house didn't sell and it's just sitting there and you're kind of bleeding, you're like, you know what, let's just start creating income from this. Yep. 
and we put Airbnb in there even just long enough until we could sell it. But what you did is you created an Airbnb, you created a cash flowing asset. And yeah. rather than just like a long-term rental, you got the short-term rental in there. And that's desirable to somebody. I mean, the fact that you're cash flowing a couple thousand a month, crap, some investor is going to scoop that up from you all day long. And you 100%. Were able to actually make money in the end. Yeah, 100%. And I think, I think there's something to that. You know, for us, I had even brought that up where, you know, it's like, are people thinking about a turnkey kind of Airbnb model? And uh, so for us, it was just more like, let's stay in our lane and let's really keep after, you know, just hammering what we're doing well. Yeah. But, uh, you know, I think it, it's a cool uh, type of asset. And, and I think there's starting to be better ways to finance them as well, especially at scale. Yep. And, uh, so for, for some people, it's just a really cool opportunity to get into real estate and, you know, owning properties and places that you would love to own a property or have a vacation home or whatever it might be. And, um, so it really gives a cool opportunity to do it that way. So that actually brings up a good question. What did you guys end up doing financing wise? Cause you bought this in 15. Did you put permanent financing on it while you held it? We, we did not uh, put permanent financing on it and we actually had some issues. So we have pretty amazing uh, financing on, on our end for uh, how we buy and sell deals. So we ended up just, just doing it internally, but um, which is another reason why we sold it too. Right. So we, uh, we free up we, some capital, we freed up some capital yeah. that was, that was funding that deal. But uh it's one of those things now, if you buy something in your individual name, you can do that pretty easily. And yeah. we're finding out that there's, there's a lot of banks now uh, or more banks now that will buy something. You can own it in your name and then literally close it, buy it in your name and then keep it as one of your 10 Fannie Mae mortgages, but be able to put it back into an LLC. Sure. Yeah. Without so really triggering the do on sale clause and all that business. Yeah. A hundred percent. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. There are some good lenders out there right now that are even non-conventional lenders that have yes. long-term loans and the rates are just barely higher than conventional. I mean, to me, they make sense to do that all day long. A hundred percent. And a lot of times you can see a 30 year am in those things too. And so, right. you know, really changes that cash flow game for you and big time. Um, so yeah, that's cool. Very cool story. So is there anything that you do differently in your business now as a result of having kind of gone through that experience? Absolutely. I think we, from the due diligence perspective, uh, whether it be the type of like in that, that age range, you know, we're way more careful uh, on reviewing, you know, what does that stack look like? This is three stories. You have to literally tear that sucker out and rebuild it. Um, what does the HVAC look like? Because, you know, it's one thing to have just a single story, you can run everything up, but it's much, much, much more complicated if you're going up three stories. Sure. Uh, and then, and then also just kind of thinking about the overall use of that property and making sure we don't just have an assumption that, Hey, we can use this as this as it looks and went through title and went through the broker and all these guys, you know, nobody said, Hey, Nathan, you might want to check out that, you know, can you actually use this triplex as a triplex? Yeah. And, uh, so, you know, that's a huge lesson for us. And, and, um, each time we get into somewhere that we don't understand, or we don't have a hundred percent on, you know, experience and transparency and in, in what that was, then we do, we do our homework. Yeah. It's funny. We see a lot of that in Atlanta. Something's being advertised as a duplex or a triplex. And you can tell it's just the house that's been chopped up. I always yep. go straight to the zoning. What's this thing zone? Cause I have a feeling if I buy this, there's no way I get to keep this thing as a triplex. A hundred percent. And I've even, you know, gotten to the point of literally calling the city, you know, yep. and speaking with them and just saying, Hey, this is what I'm seeing. I want to make sure I understand, you know, we're thinking about buying this because I'd rather go into it knowing full, full well, what we can do totally. and not do 
yeah. and, and have the people that um, it's just like legal, legal advice, right? You can, you can think you might know what to do or you just call your attorney, make sure you actually <laughs> understand what you're, what you're doing. So yeah, better to not make assumptions, find out for yourself. Exactly. Nathan, this was a good one, man. I love the Airbnb stories because it's something we've gotten into ourselves. It's a great plan B or it's a plan A. I mean, if that's your business model and good for you guys for staying in your lane, but trying something new and, and having it work. That's fantastic. Yeah. Yeah. It, it was awesome. And, uh, and I thoroughly enjoy uh, talking to you always, my friend, and I uh, get to talk real estate or otherwise. It's, uh, it's a blessing for sure. Absolutely, buddy. Well, I'm going to take you up on the four-wheeler guns and bourbon uh, offer that you made. All right. It's, it's happening. It's happening. All right, yes, buddy. Sir. Good chatting with you. You too. All right. Take care. Hey, Deal Farm listeners. If you haven't heard, I just recently released a book through Bigger Pockets Publishing called Profit Like the Pros. If you dig the Best Deal Ever podcasts, you will definitely want to get your hands on this book. I take 25 stories from some of the top investors in the country and distill them down into 25 separate chapters not only entertain you, but educate and inspire you in all different facets of real estate investing. From wholesaling and flipping to self-storage, multifamily and commercial, we get into the details of short sales, subject twos, and even land flipping. And whether you're a brand new investor or you have years of experience under your belt, I promise you this book will engage you. If you would, take a minute, go to Amazon and order this book, Profit Like the Pros. And if you like it, leave us a review. Thanks so much, folks, and I will see you on the next episode of The Deal Farm.